Um, I spoke uh, last week and I talked about um, being, a, being called to live a life that's focused on obedience rather than success. Uh, and at the end of that talk, I said that uh, a few of us, well, me and Alice, were going to go out and pray for some people on Wednesday night, uh, which we did. I just want to know how that went. Uh, me and Alice uh, and two other people went out to pray uh, in the meadows. Uh, I reckon um, me and the person I went with prayed for four, maybe five people. Uh, and Alice and the person she went with prayed for a, a good number uh, as well. Uh, one of the things that I took from that and I um, made me take note a little bit uh, is that people were much more open than I would have thought they would be. People are in the kind of wandering around and asking people how they're doing and how we can pray for them. Um, I reckon uh, at least half of the people um, said, yes, so I'd love for you to pray for me. It's easy for us to assume that we live in a, a world that's hostile, that doesn't want to know, that isn't interested in um, God or anything spiritual or anything like that at all. But, but the evidence um, that I saw on Wednesday night is that we live in a, a country and a culture where people long for something that's beyond themselves. They long for something to make a difference in their lives. They're not um, satisfied with the way that things are uh, and that God wants to move in significant ways in each of their lives. So uh, maybe you weren't able to join us on Wednesday night. We might go out again. Um, but what I would encourage you to do is to, to maybe make that a regular part of how you uh, live your life. Uh, ask people how you can pray for them uh, because people are interested. People want to meet with God. They want to connect with him. Uh, they recognize that their life isn't everything they want it to be. And if there's a uh, a way that they can uh, live a better life and enjoy a fuller, uh, richer experience. They're, they're interested uh, in that. Let's pray as we begin. Father God, we thank you for the truth of your words. Thank you that you uh, love us and you care for us. God, thank you that um, we're not just talking about truth, but we're meeting with the person of truth. We're meeting with Jesus tonight. Jesus, we ask that you would uh, come and take this time, God, that you would uh, speak to us, you would meet with us, you would uh, change us and transform us. God, we believe, as we sang earlier, that you are um, worthy of all praise. Holy Spirit, as we uh, worship you, as we acknowledge you and spend time with you tonight, God, we ask that you would uh, come and meet with us in power and in truth. Amen. Uh, over this summer, uh, we're going to be exploring the book of Acts. And Acts uh, is the, the story of what God did through the early church, through the, the first followers of Jesus. Uh, and God did incredible, miraculous things through the Holy Spirit um, in the people in the book of Acts. Uh, God, by his Spirit, healed people. Uh, by his Spirit, he cleansed uh, lepers, he delivered people, he saw people come to faith. Uh, by the Spirit of God through the early church, uh, the poor were served, the widows were taken care of, the orphans were uh, watched out for. Uh, people preached uh, the good, good news of Jesus and saw people come to faith. Uh, God did uh, incredible, powerful things in the book of Acts. Uh, and here at Peace and Jesus, we go through this sermon series, we believe that God didn't just stop working in power through the church in the book of Acts. Uh, we don't believe that uh, the gospel uh, was the start of Jesus' disciples doing miracles and Acts was the finish. But we believe that uh, the gospel and Acts were the trajectory for our lives. Uh, they were the way that we were called to live. It set out the rhythm, uh, the basic uh, message, the basic principles that we as followers of Jesus are called to live by. We believe that uh, the gospel and Acts set those out and call us to continue living like that. 
Uh, we believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that God is still expressing his love. He's still expressing his power. He's still expressing his grace and his goodness uh, through his local church tonight. So as we go through this sermon series, as we go through the book of Acts, uh, I would love for you to be inspired and encouraged uh, and challenged by the stories that we're going to read, the characters that we're going to meet. Because we're going to see people who've been transformed by God. And as they've been transformed by God, they change uh, the lives of everyone they meet. Of everywhere they go, they see God do incredible, powerful things. Uh, as we go through this sermon series, and we feel uh, inspired and encouraged, um, I want you to, to go out of here feeling like your lives can make a difference because God's Spirit wants to work through you. Uh, and as you uh, leave here feeling inspired and encouraged, uh, I don't want you to leave here thinking that um, you just need to try harder. You just need to be a bit better. You just need to um, try and do more stuff. You need to try and do more of the things that the person in the passage did this week. Uh, I, um, I joined a, a rowing club when I was at university. And I, am. I don't have a, the natural physique of a rower. I'm not quite um, broad enough to row. Um, but I, I decided that uni was the, the one opportunity that I would get um, to join a running club and learn to row. So I, I joined the college boat club. Uh, and we would get up at, at 6 a.m. in the morning under the cover of darkness while the river was still frozen. Uh, and we would get in our boat and we would um, row and we would practice technique and fitness. I was very pleased it was dark because this is not a physique that was made for lycra. So no one could see, you'll be relieved. But we would uh, go and we would row and train on the river. Uh, and when, um, when winter um, came and it was too cold to row outside, we would uh, go and train in the gym uh, all through the winter. Uh, and we would uh, row outside and we would train because we wanted to be ready for race day. Uh, we wanted to be as fit and as strong as we could possibly be. Uh, and the race would be on a, a Saturday and on Friday night we would gather uh, and we would try and eat our body weight in pasta and carbohydrates so that uh, we could have as much energy stored in us as possible. Uh, and as we uh, ate our own body weight uh, in pasta, the, the captain of the boat club, the captain of the boat, uh, would send round a video for each of us to watch. Uh, and that video um, was meant to inspire us to pep us up uh, we would watch videos of uh, Sir Matthew Redgrave and, Matthew, um, and Pinsent um, winning uh, the gold at Sydney. Uh, we would watch a, a video time and time again of a, a Canadian boat um, overcoming an incredible deficit to win the race. And the idea was that we would watch those videos and we would feel inspired. Uh, we would feel inspired so that the next day when we went out to row, uh, we would be ready to, to strain every sinew, to, to get every last um, part of energy, all the strength from our muscles so that we could row better. Uh, we would be uh, inspired to try a little bit harder, uh, to be more impressive, to win the race. Uh, Acts isn't meant to do that for us. Uh, Acts isn't meant to inspire you so that you can go out the door and try harder so that you can try and be as strong as you possibly can, so that you can try and uh, live the best life that you possibly can. It's easy to read uh, Acts and to think that Acts is a, a book about miracles. Uh, Acts primarily isn't a book about miracles at all. It uh, isn't a book about people doing particular things and living in a particular way. It's not uh, about that primarily. Uh, Acts is a book about people who are deeply in love with Jesus. Acts is a book about people who are deeply in love with Jesus and they're letting it transform the way that they live. They're letting it transform every single area of their lives. Acts is a book not about miracles and about how well people can live or the kind of things they can do, but about people who are deeply in love with Jesus. And as they're deeply in love with Jesus, they're letting it transform every single area of their life. 
Uh, they're letting it transform the relationships they build and the ways they build them. They're letting it transform the kind of things they pray for, uh, their day-to-day rhythm, their day-to-day routine. They're letting it transform every way that they live. But that's possible because they're deeply in love with Jesus. Uh, my hope is that uh, you, uh, we reach the end of this sermon series and you've not decided to try a bit harder You've not decided to try and uh, be more impressive, to try and pray with more faith or boldness or courage, but instead you've been inspired to love Jesus more deeply. You've been inspired to love Jesus more deeply, and that love is transforming the way in which you live. It's making a difference. It's not just for your benefit, but you're letting it permeate the way that you live. Uh, We're studying Stephen tonight. And Stephen is uh, probably best known for being stoned. Uh, Stephen's best known for being one of the the first Christian martyrs, the first person to die for his faith. But rather than uh, talk about uh, what happened to Peter, I I want tonight to talk about why it happened to Peter. Uh, It's easy to get caught up in the end product, the end result, but, but the thing that should interest us isn't that Stephen got stoned, but it's why Stephen got stoned. You see, in in Acts, uh, Stephen is described uh, interestingly. He's um, He's described as a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Uh, A couple of verses later in our passage, uh, he's described as a man full of God's grace and power who performed great wonders and signs among the people. Uh, Stephen is a man who stands out wherever he goes. Uh, A man who stands out because of his love for Jesus. Uh, Sometimes the Bible is uh, subtle and it lets things slip by, but but Luke uh, wants us to know something tonight. Uh, Luke wants us to know that Stephen is a man who is deeply in love with Jesus. A man who is full of love and care and concern for God. He was devoted to following him. Uh, A man full of grace and power, full of love and truth. Uh, And a man who's uh, not just allowing that um, love, that truth, that grace and that power um, to remain an idea or a nice thought, but he's letting it transform the way that he lives. Uh, Is the love of God transforming the way that you live? Is it leading you to live differently? Uh, Are you living uh, distinctively? Uh, Stephen was uh, one of the first people outside of the 12, uh, outside of the 12 disciples of Jesus to be given uh, a position of leadership. Uh, Within within their culture, uh, widows uh, were people that needed taking care of. Uh, Within the culture, uh, men were the the primary breadwinners. They were the people who earned the money um, to keep the family going, uh, which meant that if you were uh, married and your husband died, you were in serious trouble. It meant that not only had you lost your best friend, the person that you wanted to spend the rest of your life with, but you'd also also lost your financial stability. Uh, You had no way of making money, no way of uh, putting food on the table. Uh, So the early church organized themselves to take care of widows, to take care of the people who were vulnerable, marginalized, who were easily forgotten. And they appointed Stephen to take care of the widows and to make sure that they each received what was allotted to them so that they could support their families. Stephen was a man with a deep care and a concern for the widows, a deep care and a concern for the vulnerable. Do you have a deep care and concern for the vulnerable, for the widows, for the orphans? Stephen is a a man who balances signs and wonders, praying for God to do miraculous things, with a deep awareness that God's heart and God's care is for the poor, for the vulnerable, for the outcast, for the downtrodden. Uh, And Stephen manages uh, to balance those two things. I don't know what your church experience is, but I've been in churches which are are really good at, at talking about miracles that are really good at encouraging people to go and uh, pray for uh, people to get healed, who are good at encouraging people to have prophetic words. I, 
I went and I worked for a church in Manchester for a year as an intern, uh, and they were really, really good at encouraging people to pray for miracles, to believe that God could do uh, impossible, incredible things, and of course, uh, God can still do that. But what we didn't talk about was uh, God's heart for the poor, for the homeless, for the hungry. I've also um, been in churches and heard of churches where um, the concern is only social justice. Uh, The concern is exclusively how can we care for the poor, how can we feed the hungry, how can we uh, take care of the orphan. And uh, Both of those are are, are biblical uh, ideas. We should, of course, pray for miracles and pray for um, uh, and engage in acts of social justice and mercy and kindness and express God's love. But but often we, uh, we do one at the expense of the other. Uh, we become cultures that will only talk about miracles or cultures that will only talk about issues of social justice. Uh, but Stephen tonight lives out of both of those. We see Jesus do it. Uh, Jesus uh, will heal the leper, but it also feed the hungry. Uh, Jesus will uh, invite the lowest in society, the tax collector, the isolated, the vulnerable, uh, but it'll also pray for Lazarus to be raised from the dead. Uh, Stephen balances, Jesus balances the need for social justice, the need for us to be people uh, who will care for the lost in society, the broken, the vulnerable, but also to be people uh, who believe that God can do incredible things and are willing to pray for them. How do you live your life? Uh, Do you uh, exclusively focus on social justice? Or are you allowing yourself to to care for the poor, but also believe that God wants to bring um, miraculous healing, that God wants to bring prophetic words, that God wants to do uh, things that are only possible with God? Uh, We're called to be people who live uh, both and lives rather than either or. Uh, As Stephen follows Jesus, that's what he models to us tonight. Uh, That's the way that Stephen lives. Uh, the, The passage says that Stephen is a man who performed great signs and wonders. The Bible often isn't very subtle. Uh, the Bible, uh, I wonder if you know why the, the Bible calls it signs and wonders. I found out a couple of weeks ago. It's very straightforward. Uh, the Bible calls uh, signs and wonders, signs and wonders because of this. Uh, when someone prays for a miracle, uh, when someone gets uh, miraculously healed, there's a prophetic word, uh, often um, people are amazed. People are led uh, to wonder, to wonder what, what was that, what happened, because uh, if they didn't know Jesus, their old way of understanding now doesn't make sense. Because they they thought they understood how the world works, how things should be. And then this miraculous thing happened that they now can't fit into their old grid. So they're they're amazed, they're led to wonder, uh, what is it that God's doing? What what is this uh, thing that's happened? Uh, They're led to wonder. And as they wonder, uh, we the church, we the disciples of Jesus are called to be signposts. Uh, We're called to sign the way to Jesus. So that that miraculous thing happened when I prayed, not because of me, not because uh, I was impressive, but because of the love of God, Uh, because Jesus cares for you, because Jesus watches out over you. Uh, We're called uh, to point the way to Jesus. Stephen is a man who does great signs and wonders because he wants people to enter into relationship with Jesus. Uh, The signs and the wonders uh, are about introducing people to a God who loves them, a God who cares for them about introducing people to Jesus for the first time. They're also an expression of God's uh, continuing care and love and compassion uh, for us, but I believe they're primarily about pointing people towards Jesus, which also means that they're not just within the walls of the church. Uh, They're not just for um, at the side in prime ministry, but for our homes, our workplaces, uh, the places we spend our times where people don't know who Jesus is. Uh, We're called to pray for signs and wonders so that uh, people can be amazed. 
People can uh, ask questions. They can uh, wonder who it is, what's happened. Uh, And as they do that, as they're prompted to wonder, we signpost them, we point them to Jesus. That's the thing that Simon is, uh, Stephen is known for in this passage, for being a man full of great faith, full of the Holy Spirit, uh, who does incredible signs and wonders. Uh, And as Stephen uh, performs these signs and wonders, he does it because uh, he is motivated by a a deep love. Uh, He's motivated by God's uh, care and compassion for uh, each person that he meets. Uh, He wants God to to know uh, who it is that he loves, who it is that he worships. Stephen is a man who's deeply in love with God, and he's letting it transform the way in which he lives. Uh, He lives from the overflow of God's love for him. Uh, Stephen isn't trying to live a better life. He's not trying to um, be more impressive, but instead he knows that he's deeply loved. He knows that he's deeply cared for. And as he knows that he's deeply loved and deeply cared for, he's letting it transform the way in which he lives. Uh, He's letting God's love express itself through him uh, in incredible, miraculous ways, in caring for the poor, in caring for the widow, uh, in introducing people to Jesus. Uh, Stephen lives his life uh, from a deep uh, overflow of love. Sometimes we think that our, um, our love for God, our relationship with him, should, should give us a bit of a free pass in life. That it should uh, make our lives uh, easier, more straightforward. That um, if we uh, love God, then God uh, should make sure that the good things happen to us. Uh, after this passage, after um, Stephen has um, performed signs and wonders and told people about Jesus, uh, Stephen's relationship with God uh, means that he gets stoned. Uh, Stephen dies, he's the the first Christian martyr. Uh, The passage says that um, Stephen was uh, preaching in the temple, preaching in the temple courtyards, and people took exception to that. They didn't like the the message that Stephen was uh, proclaiming. So what they did is they, um, the the freedmen, uh, the established Jewish community, uh, decided to to whip up a crowd against him. Uh, And as they whipped up a crowd against him, uh, they decided to to spread lies about the kind of things that Stephen had been doing, the kind of lies that would uh, land him in front of the Sanhedrin. Uh, And Stephen is taken in front of the Sanhedrin, the the Jewish court, and it's a a kangaroo court. It's uh, a setup, it's a fix. Uh, And in front of the Sanhedrin, the the kangaroo court, uh, false charges are brought against Stephen. False charges. Uh, People lie about him. Uh, They say uh, untrue things because they don't want Stephen to be able to continue doing the things that he's been doing. Uh, I wonder what uh, your reaction would be if uh, someone went uh, spreading things that weren't true about you. Uh, Not just spreading things that were untrue about you, but uh, in a court of law where there are serious charges against you that deliberately lied, deliberately manipulated the truth. That's what they're doing to Stephen here. And uh, These aren't small uh, offences, these aren't small charges, but this is uh, serious stuff. Stephen knows that the charges brought against him uh, will probably lead to his death. He might not know how he's going to die, but but I'm willing to bet that Stephen will have uh, recognised the seriousness of the charges against him uh, and the likely outcome, but but Stephen's response is uh, different. Uh, Stephen's response that the passage says that all who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen uh, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. I wonder what your response would have been if you'd been uh, in court uh, under the the death penalty. People had lied about you. They'd manipulated the truth to ensure that you got the punishment they thought you deserved. 
Stephen's face shines like an angel. Stephen has a deep peace. Stephen has a deep contentedness. It's almost like uh, nothing can disturb Stephen's peace. Nothing can take it away, not even charges that will bring his death. Stephen's face shines like an angel. See, because as Stephen's relationship with God expresses itself uh, in praying for miracles and in loving and serving the poor, at Stephen's uh, relationship with God, the overflow of Stephen's relationship with God is that he is able to endure all things. Stephen will not be disturbed. He will not be shaken. He will not be made to be anxious or worried, but instead his face will shine like an angel. Because Stephen knows this one thing. Stephen's life, Stephen's world is falling apart. Things are going very badly for Stephen, but Stephen knows that his world can fall apart. Uh, Things can go uh, as badly as they could possibly go. But Stephen knows they can't take his love for God away from him. Stephen knows that come what may, God will love him. God will pour out his mercy, his goodness, and his grace on Stephen. Sometimes we think that our relationship with God should get us a free pass, should somehow make our, our lives easier. The, the, the lesson from this story is that it won't make things any easier. It, it might even uh, lead to persecution, to judgment, to being uh, exiled. It might lead people to, to lie about you, to manipulate the truth. It, it might mean that because in your workplace you have to stand up for truth and fairness and justice, It might mean that um, you get looked over for things. It might mean that people look down on you because uh, the way that you live your life, the the principles that govern your life, the relationship that you have that changes the way you live, uh, people might not like that. They might not accept that. It might be that you live in a a home and you're the only person who loves Jesus there. Uh, And your love for God is probably going to make you stand out in that home. In your workplace, your relationship with God is going to make you live differently. It's going to make you engage with things in a completely different way. And it's going to make you stick out and people might not like that. In your school, it's going to make you stand out and stick out and people might not like that. But the one thing that Stephen knows, the thing that Stephen holds on to is that his relationship with God will sustain him. His relationship with God will endure. Sometimes we ask, why does uh, God let uh, bad things happen to people who love him? Uh, Why does God let bad things happen to Christians? And I I don't know um, much of the answer to that, but I I know that I would rather have a God who didn't satisfy my every material desire, uh, who didn't uh, promise me that my job would always go like I wanted it to, who didn't promise me my relationships would always work out like I wanted them to. I would rather uh, a God who wasn't interested so much in satisfying my desires Uh, but in loving me regardless. I would rather believe in a a God who wasn't primarily focused around satisfying my desires, but uh, who would love me come what may. Who even when my whole world was falling apart, even when things aren't going as well as they could do, uh, we have a God who promises to love us, to care for us. Uh, We're going to sing later on a a bridge to a song, and it says, uh, you're never going to let me down. God, you are never going to let me down. And there's a a danger when we sing that in thinking that uh, God not letting us down means that uh, our lives will always go like we want them to. Uh, Things will always be uh, plain sailing, they'll always be smooth, they'll always get the things that we want. That's that's not what we're singing about, that's not what God promises. Uh, The way in which God doesn't let us down is he always loves us, regardless. The love for God is unchanging. 
Uh, our world can fall apart. Our, our work can go badly. We can be uh, dismissed. We can be ridiculed. We can be looked over. Uh, things might not go as we want them to, but uh, we know that God will never let us down. God will never let you down. Not because he promises your life will go like you want it to, but because he promises he will always love you. Uh, I've been uh, reading a book recently by someone called Eugene Peterson. Uh, and Eugene Peterson, um, you might have read the message translation of the Bible, that was Eugene Peterson. Uh, and he's also written a book called uh, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Uh, and that book uh, is a, a really, it's a, it's a classic, it's fantastic. If you've not read it, I would endorse you going and buying it. Uh, and it's a book uh, primarily about uh, a selection of the Psalms. But he opens that book by talking about uh, the way in which we often live our lives. He says that um, we as Christians are called to live the life of pilgrims. We're called to live like pilgrims, but we often live like tourists in this world. Uh, Jesus lived like a pilgrim. Stephen lived like a pilgrim. But we often have moments where we live like tourists. Uh, what he means by that is a, a tourist is always interested in the best experience. When you go on holiday, maybe you do some research and you go onto TripAdvisor uh, and you look for the, the five best attractions uh, you can go and visit, the five best restaurants you can go and eat in. You want to uh, go and have the, the best experience that you possibly can. You want your holiday to, to be pristine, to be untroubled, because when we go on holiday, we feel like we deserve a good time. Uh, we feel like uh, we need things to go well for us. And if uh, our holiday isn't as good as we want it to be, we know that we can complain to someone. Uh, we can complain to uh, the hotel manager, the restaurant manager. Uh, we can complain to the, the airline and their customer support desk. Uh, we feel entitled to a, a good time and we try and have a, a certain level of experience because uh, we, we deserve it. Uh, we deserve a good time. We deserve uh, to be rested and refreshed and for things to go well for us. Uh, Eugene Peterson says that often our, our attitude to life is like that. Uh, we live like tourists. We, uh, we believe that uh, we are entitled to a good time. We are entitled for things to always go well for us. Uh, and if things don't go uh, well for us, then we, we find some way to um, criticize, to blame. We, uh, maybe we um, get mad at God and we blame him for things going wrong. Maybe we blame a, a spouse, a friend, a loved one. Uh, but we feel entitled to a good time, but uh, that's not the way the pilgrim lives. A tourist feels entitled to a good time, but pilgrims don't live like that. Uh, pilgrims uh, don't look for the immediate, don't look for the easy, but they take the long route. Uh, pilgrims uh, take the long route. They try and create a depth within them. Uh, they uh, seek personal transformation. Uh, they long for God to do uh, things through them. Uh, when things don't go as we want them to, when life is hard... Uh, they don't uh, blame God, they don't blame someone, they don't get irritated, but they say, God, what do you want to do through this situation? Uh, what is it that you're trying to teach me? What do you want to show me in this situation, in this moment? Uh, pilgrims try and uh, cultivate a depth wherever they go. Tourists are, are self-entitled, but pilgrims are motivated by love. Uh, Self-entitlement uh, uh, can't overcome anything. Self-entitlement leads to bitterness, but, but love, the kind of love that we see in Stephen and the kind of love that Jesus shows can overcome all things. Often we live our lives as tourists and we get um, uh, angry and irritated and we complain and life is all about what um, we deserve and what we can get, but pilgrims are about taking the long route, about cultivating a depth of relationship with God, about um, uh, seeking, the, um, seeking the transformation of the places they go. Uh, Jeremiah says that we're to seek the welfare of the city. 
Uh, wherever we go, we're called to, to pray for the city. Uh, we're called to love the people we, uh, we meet, we encounter. Uh, tourists are in it uh, for what they can take, but pilgrims make a, a mark on the land. Stephen is making a, a mark on the land. He's choosing to love God, come what may. Uh, even when his, his world is falling apart, even when the situation seems uh, riotously out of control and people are, are lying about him, they're creating untruths, uh, Stephen is uh, unshaken and he's unmoved because he knows that God loves him and cares for him. And they can take away everything. They can take away everything that he has, everything that he owns, all of his relationships. They can take away uh, even his own life, but he knows the thing they can't take away is his relationship with God. And it's that relationship with God which has been the fuel, the catalyst for everything that Stephen has done. For everything, that, the, the rhythm that Stephen has lived by, the decisions he's chosen to make. Stephen's life has been about uh, loving God, about having a, a depth of relationship. And as he's uh, pursued that depth of relationship with God, as he's lived like a pilgrim, uh, that's led him to live differently. Uh, to care for the, the poor, the downcast, the downtrodden. And as he does that, as he cares for the widow, uh, he's been released uh, for, to see God express himself in miraculous ways, to demonstrate his love, his kindness, his power through him. Does that look like the way that you're living? Uh, have you encountered the love of God in such a way that it's transformed uh, everything about your life? Uh, and as you uh, encounter God, as we meet with God, uh, God releases us to live differently. Uh, he releases us to, to love and care for the people that we meet. Uh, he releases us to have faith that God wants to do incredible, miraculous things. And he releases us to endure all things, to be bold, to be courageous. Even when our, our lives feel like they're falling apart, uh, even when things aren't going like we want them to go, uh, the love of God means that we can endure all things. Amen.